The Bold Acting Podcast is brought to you by the Bold Acting Newsletter. Head over to boldacting.substack.com and sign up for my free newsletter. Every Sunday I reflect on what's going on in class that week and how performance and its artifice pertains to being a person in the real world. Go to boldacting.substack.com, sign up for free with your email, and I'll see you on Sunday morning. If you're in the Toronto area, you can come and check out my classes for free, Sundays and Mondays, 5 to 8 p.m. at Ground Glass Casting in the Junction. That's 48 Cothra, right near LA Fitness and the Organic Garage. Go to boldacting.com classes for more information. Welcome to the Bold Acting Podcast, episode 23, for Wednesday, October 4th. What is beautiful is seized. I read this in a Laurie Moore story. What is beautiful is seized. I didn't understand it at first. I may not yet. I think it might mean beauty is momentary. What is noticed? A cell of film, a picture, a Fuqua freeze frame. The moment your child possess, possesses that Grecian ideal before adolescence bears its biological truths, you remember that when you had it. In the beginning, when you had youth, or a fresh snowfall, before the filth that comes with time sullies. A spring of promise and excitement, that pink azalea in the front yard at your parents' house that lashes out in surprised radiance for about five minutes, it seems, every spring before it returns to being just a bush. A grant a chat's amuse-bouche before it turns into just another meal. Remember his episode on Chef's Table? You just get one bite at his restaurant. That's it. And then you move on to the next thing. Elsewhere in Lori Moore's story, I read the word toe-headed and reach for my phone to look up the definition, but then I get sucked into a pit of quicksand called Instagram. I watch a video of a freighter being attacked by pirates, which is fascinating. I just love shipping disasters. I watch another video of a woman without a bra dancing like she's trying to polish the wainscoting with her butt. And then, by accident, I watch a little girl running into traffic and being hit by a motorcycle before I come to. I close the app, and then I delete it from my phone for the umpteenth time. I put the phone in the drawer, and I go back to Lori, resolute in being fine with not knowing the definition of every word if the cost of looking it up on my phone is a human being being run over by a motorcycle. In the story, Lori Moore's protagonist's mother goes into town every Saturday morning to do the shopping. I give her an affair. Domesticity requires it. In a literary setting, for sure, if not in the real-life one, too. Some time in afternoon sunlight in the arms of another woman away from her emotionally abusive husband, the way a woman can only take so much from men and then switches teams. Fuck that league, she says. I don't like baseball anyway. 
The protagonist describes her father's talents, his magic, and his legerdemain. Legerdemain. Legerdemain? Legerdemain. I let the beauty, if you can call it that, of that last word hang in the unknown. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to look at the word. Leger. French for light? Demain. French for tomorrow? Light tomorrow. Her dad has a light tomorrow. I don't know. Grade 12 French was a long time ago. What is beautiful is seized, her mother says one last time before she dies. Now she is speaking of her husband. He had been destroyed by too many women. A heart picked over, scratched at, taken, lost. You reach a point at which you can't cry anymore, she says, and you look around and people your age can't cry either. They are emptier, and they are grateful. In Andre Asiman's Call Me By Your Name, the dad says to his son, who had just recently had his heart broken, he says, remember, our hearts and our bodies are given to us only once. And before you know it, our heart is worn out. And as for our bodies, there comes a point where no one wants to touch it, much less come anywhere near it. These memories are seized. A photograph of a time you think you can remember. You feel a sort of deja vu suddenly one day in your children. But they don't feel a thing. Not yet. They've only just begun. The downhill slide is still a long ways away for them. The only way to stop time, then, is with beauty. We can alleviate the suffering by increasing the fulfillment. That is beauty. Ivory towers melt away. Priorities realign. Our breathing softens. We're in accordance. The Laurie Moore book is from 1985. The author's photograph shows a woman with TV sitcom star good looks. How can one person have so many gifts? It's not fair. I put the book down. The half Azopa clone is making its entrance now. I turn off the light. Good night. The next morning, I remember what my friend Len said to me about how sunlight on his eyeballs makes such a difference. I go out on the deck and stick my face in the light. The oak trees looming above my house, gone uncut, are almost touching now. That's somebody else's problem. The rain of acorns during this mass year continues. The squirrels are numerous and sleepless, often working through the night. The last time there was a masked year, I counted 13 of the rodents in my 250-year-old red oak. I bought live traps and moved them two by two to the Ikea in Etobicoke, 7.3 kilometers away. But since the neighbors complained about my relocation program, I put the traps away and let the squirrels do their thing. We are in month two of the nutty assault it's best to put a bike helmet on when you go outdoors. The neighbor now covers her precious truck with blankets when she comes home from work. And I think, you know, I could have taken care of this for you. Now look what you've done. The mast year is, let's see, I read this somewhere, 
where a fruit-bearing tree saves up their uh, stuff, and then in one year, every five years or so for these oaks, they overwhelm the predators. The idea is, is there to be so much fruit that the squirrels and other rodents don't take them all away and eat them, and that the tree ensures uh, its species propagation. The tree doesn't know that it's surrounded by concrete and um, gardens and houses, and no one's going to let a giant red oak grow here ever again. While I'm waiting for the water to boil, I Google Lori Moore, and I see a recent photo of the 60-something-year-old author and teacher. More beautiful, but no longer a TV star. She teaches at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, it looks like. She started writing when she was a child. She won her first literary award when she was 17. I don't like it when people make me feel inadequate. Then below her, on the same page, I think I see someone I can make fun of. Phew. I can quench the low self-esteem with some judgment. There is a picture of a woman with a cresting wave for a haircut and a ten-gallon smile. She's a Texan, and her name is Lori Moore Moore. More hyphen more. Of course she's from Texas. More more. The human imagination is alive and well. Wasn't there a member of parliament, parliament named Donald McDonald? There's the artist Ai Weiwei. There's Billy D. Williams. Boom Boom Jeffreyon played for the Habs. Chichi Rodriguez played golf. Flavor Flav. And the greatest double-barrel name in the United Nations, Boutros Boutros Gali, of course. Lori Moore's name originally was just Moore, but there was another Lori Moore at work, according to her website, so she did her one better. Lori Moore is the author of Gone to Dallas. And here's the blurb from the novel cover. Sarah's husband was a disappointment in life but she had to admit he was a handsome corpse. Yeah. Oh, Christ, she's a published author, too. Is everyone published but me? Whatever. Comparison shopping after the fact is never a good idea. And for me, it is well after the fact. There's no going back. I must become the best me, the most me possible. More me. Or I could just be happy with the me that is here now. Not likely. That dad in Call Me By Your Name is other people's parents. And other people's parents can't be underestimated. That dad is, is a proxy. A man cool enough to not get annoyed by. Smart enough to listen to and vulnerable enough to respect you kind of see him as a human being and not just a parent. I think it's in the openness to be man enough to say, I don't know, and then shut up. Other people's parents are, are those uh, figures in a young person's life. Uh, they don't come with a lot of baggage. They come with experience and maybe even wisdom. 
but you can hear them better. They may not be any better than your parents. They may not be smart, but you can hear them. You're ready to hear other people's parents. Unlike you're ready to hear your own. That takes a lot of growth. This is another reason why we need to be around people of disparate ages. Variety or diversity in age means that we can cross-pollinate ideas. We can cross-reference Uh, stories. We can fact-check each other. It's another reason why we have friends, to get to their old people. This is especially important for transplants like myself and my children who don't have a lot of family out here. Lori Moore, singular, just mentioned her mother goes to town on Saturdays, and I gave her the affair. That's called leaving room for an audience. That's what George Saunders calls happy befuddlement. Lori Moore may have written more, but she, I don't know, maybe crossed it out, I imagine. Going through the editing process, it's so much of what you can remove and just trust the audience will fill in the gaps by themselves. That gives a reader or a listener, so much satisfaction to sit there and be a part of it. If all the work is done for us, we tend to wander, which is okay, unless, of course, you've got your phone nearby, and then it's not okay. Then you're liable to see something terrible on Instagram. Great performances follow these edicts also. Leave them wanting more, not hoping you'll leave soon. Give them that amuse-bouche, that photograph, that moment of beauty seized, and don't explain it away. You'll, You'll kill all the juice in there. Give them a little bit, an Easter egg, a treat, and they'll keep coming back for more. More, more. More, 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 more. This episode of the Bold Acting Podcast is also brought to you by the Hobo Sapien Chronicles. Go to brucehorak.com and sign up for this monthly newsletter from the visually impaired artist Bruce Horak. Having lost over 90% of his eyesight to a childhood cancer, Horak has navigated the world of the fully sighted his entire life. For the past 25 years, Horak has pursued a career in the performing arts and and has won numerous awards for his performance, writing, direction, and creation. Read all about it in his monthly newsletter called The The Hobo Sapien. Jesus Christ, my mouth. I'm not editing this. Read all about it in the monthly newsletter from my friend Bruce, for fuck's sake. It's called The Hobo Sapien Chronicles. Okay, get it? Because he travels, because he's an actor, because we're, we're gypsies. Okay, we roam the land, and Bruce does it better than most, and I love him for it. A lot of us are just afraid, but Bruce isn't. And he's, he's, he's got like 7% eyes. It's fucking incredible, and you should sign up for it. Go to brucehorak.com and put your email in in the hobo sapien thing, and then you'll get a newsletter, and... You should also upgrade to Patreon with him. Now, where the fuck is that piece of paper? Every month, 
you'll get exclusive all-access Patreon posts as well as a handmade signed original card in the mail. Each card is unique to the month it was created and includes a letter giving insight into the creation of the work. Go to brucehorak.com and sign up for the Hobo Sapien Chronicles and then sign up for his Patreon. And here's a crazy idea. Support an artist. You know, if if the corporatocracy isn't doing it, we may have to go back to uh, patrons of the arts. That was a thing. And here's a great one to do it by. Okay, that was the longest commercial ever. Let's get to some advice. My name is Amiel Gladstone, and I'm the director of theater arts at Banff Center. My advice to my younger self would be don't quit playing the violin. Even though your priority shifted and now you are doing play rehearsals after school, if you keep playing the violin, it will be useful in your future theater work. The little bit of violin that you have now is going to be so invaluable, but having more would be incredible. So find time to rehearse and keep rehearsing. And not to mention that having a musical instrument in your back pocket is useful in all kind of other ways. And also, while we're at it talking about the violin, I think if you learn to play by ear, not just reading sheet music, that would be helpful too. That's my advice. Don't quit playing the violin. Just don't do it. I uh, asked Ami, I followed up with him and asked for a little bit of clarification because he is right. It's advice to his younger self and it's very uh, particular to him. Uh, Maybe I should have been a bit more clear. I do apologize. Advice to your younger self, I guess, that would apply to others. So I got the information there. Ami says, I didn't realize how useful it was going to be to be able to read music as I didn't predict my musical and opera directing career. There were numerous times where also being able to play an instrument, especially a piano, but I started with a violin, would have helped with the directing and the writing. I also would have loved to have been able to jam with with musicians. That's improv, and that doesn't need a language. And that means you can go anywhere and you speak an international language that is music. I don't have that. I don't even have another spoken language. I uh, I just have English. I'm just one of those people in my defense. Is we're in Western Canada, we don't. There is no French. There's no other languages out there, really. And uh, and I don't come from a musical family. I think Ami's point is is that we can't predict the future. So so don't make decisions that are predicated on information you don't have. Worse. Or moreover, when we don't have information, there's a human need to supply, to fill that void with with bad intel. And so we do things like we quit a musical instrument or we stop speaking French like me and um, because we just think, well, I'm never going to use it. I'm not getting a job in Ottawa. Why would I want French so I can impress somebody at a French restaurant? No. I've been to France a number of times, and I've been on the outside every single time. And now I never want to go there uh, because I can't speak French, and I think it's too late. Same with Montreal. I'd love to move there, 
My ex wants to move there. We could all move there with the kids and just live down the street from each other, and it'd be so much cheaper, and it's a city favorable to artists, and, but we can't because no, nobody speaks French. In class, I always speak about all those arrows you're adding to your quiver. I know it's a, it's a cheap analogy, but the more arrows, the better, obviously. And you don't want the same old ones over and over again. You don't come to my class to uh, work on the thing you're already an expert at. You, you come there to work on stuff that, that you're not. And so you get your money's worth. And so you leave my class having experienced that steep learning curve. It's a very fulfilling feeling. And, that, and therein lies that, that growth. And then suddenly you're, you're, a, you're a jack of all trades. And there's nothing wrong with not being a master of all of them also. You never know when those trades might come in handy. This is an old friend of mine, Christina Sicoli. She's been an actor for 20 years. I met her in 2005 in Toronto when she was a clown. And I introduced her to her husband. So she's forever in debt to me. Slash, I always get the blame. Hey, JB, it's Christina. Sorry. I'm just eating a Tostito. I'm just calling in. I wanted to uh, give my younger self some advice. Number one. It would be you don't have to hug any relative that you don't want to hug. And number two, keep asking lots of questions. Keep asking lots of questions and don't take no for an answer. And just keep being uniquely you. That's three. Three things I'd still... I'd still, as an adult, want to... What? Want to do... Yeah. Ask questions. Be yourself. Don't take no for an answer. Boom. Don't you just love her so much right away? Her mouth is full and the first thing she says is don't hug anybody you don't want to. And it's such good advice. And it breaks my heart a bit. You know, when you're a little kid and your parents are telling, give your auntie a hug, give your uncle a hug. Ugh, gross. Boundaries, mom. Dad, Bound- how about some fucking boundaries? I don't like hugs. My eldest doesn't like hugs at all. So, you know, I spent a long time saying Henry doesn't like hugs, but now it's up to him. He's 13. He can stand there and say and put his hand out and shake it or just nod or fist bump. You can say no. You can have boundaries. And as you can hear uh, from that voice memo, Christina is an expert at being herself unapologetically. And I say that time and time again in class, quit apologizing for yourself, especially to the young women. Quit Take, take your God-given allotment of space on this earth. And don't take my word for it, all right? Go out there and, and, and do some research. Try it out. You can always be your quiet, demure self later. You're an expert at that. But just try this out. And please excuse my yelly tone and me telling you how to live your life. But Take up your space. We got one go around. You got to go out there and you got to shine your goddamn light. And then what was the last one? Keep asking questions. I love it. You got to remain a student. You, you, you can't think, oh, I know this. You got to return to the fundamentals. You got to be like Larry Bird. You know, it doesn't matter how many times he practiced. He'd always go back and practice his free throws. Always, every day, every day, every day.
And you get into this this trance. You know, at first, when you first start practicing something, it's just boring. But then you get into this other place, and it's not. It's just your work. It's who you are. And the love or the, um, the rebirth of love in your craft or your vocation or your trade or your expertise comes again and again and again from doing it over and over, going into those valleys and coming up on those hills. You'll fall in love again. It's when you get lazy. Now I'm just talking to myself in the mirror. It's when you get lazy, you, and you stop working at it, that's when you get rusty and you fall out of love. Make your own art. Make your own work, make your own luck. Hey there, my name is Matt Clark. I'm a producer and actor and um, writer and director from Vancouver. Uh, I've been in the business for about 25 years or so. Um, And yeah, the advice I would give to my younger self is to, I think, let go of these ideas that you have around what is an artist or, or, or what is success, you know, what, what work should be, what, what art should be. Because um, I think these things are, are ideas that come to us. We, we kind of, we, we make these things in our heads out of information that we get when we are kids or, or teenagers, you know, what success should look like, what, what an actor is or what an artist is. And it's, it's based on bad intel, you know. When you're a, when you're a kid or a teenager, you just don't know shit about any of that stuff, and yet we internalize these ideas and these stories, and then we hold on to them and carry them into our into our the rest of our lives and, and into our work. And we we want to shape and kind of force our work and our lives around these ideas that are at best flawed and at worst toxic. And it's just so much better to let go of these things and, and, and lose yourself to the, the discovery process, uh, you know, to curiosity. And, and I find that's where you find really interesting work, where you find really good work, where you, you find inspiration and, and all these things that we're really looking for. Um, and yet, I think most of the times I've made bad decisions or, or, or made bad things or, or failed is usually when I'm holding far too tightly to these, these ideas. And so I, I think it's important and I think it's an ongoing journey. It's never a finite thing, but the, the, the goal should always be to, I think, hold on to whatever you're doing as loosely as you possibly can, but also uh, with as much gratitude as you can. Hold on tightly, let go lightly. Who said that? Oh, croupier! It was the the incredible Clive Owens in croupier. Why is it croupier and then coupe? Like when you're on a French set, they always say coupe. But then it's somebody who cuts the cards. the The card dealer is a croupier. Anyways, I love this advice. I, I talk about something similar all the time. We compare ourselves to uh, someone else's yardstick, especially when you're young, maybe when we're old too. We see, we watch, and we see that ultimate uh, collaboration happening that only 0.01% of a creative pop of the creative population ever gets to do. You know, we go and see a movie and we want to do that. 
but that's someone else's reality. That's not ours. Not yet. And it doesn't matter if it is or it isn't. We cannot predict the future. The yardstick should be something a little more personal. To me, success is making stuff with like-minded people. That's when I've had the most fun, the most fulfillment. I did that in drama school. I did it outside of drama school when I started out in Vancouver, when I started doing improv and and plays in basements and fringe shows and stand-up. And it was a long, dark, alcoholic road, but it was filled with all these amazing people. That was success. I had already made it. I just didn't know. If you have advice and you're a seasoned pro, please send a voice memo titled with your name and advice to my younger self to jasonbryden at gmail.com. That email address again is jasonbryden, B-R-Y-D-E-N, at gmail.com, and I'll play it on the podcast. If, however, you're a a performer just starting out and you have questions, send me a question via a voice memo to the same email address, jasonbryden at gmail.com, and I'll answer them on the show. Let's get into the newsletter. Suggestions on how to be a person. This is the 25th issue of the Bold Acting Newsletter for Sunday, October 1st, 2023. 1. You'll tire of me. A disclaimer. I'm on about peace now. But peace can't come from me. It has to come from you. Help is the sunny side of control, Anne Lamott said. So I'm not here to help. I'm here to threaten. Be bold because you're going to die much sooner than you think. Bold means being bold with the fear that is in front of you. There is no banishing fear. When I write these things... I know I should shut up, because I'm helping too much. You're going to get turned off of me. It's okay. There will be others. 2. Be boring. When you turn your phone off, turn yourself off, too. Unplug everything around you. Try to be with yourself once in a while. When you're sitting there, open up yourself to possibilities. They won't come if you're staring at that thing. They'll only come if you're bored. Being boring is highly underrated. It's the cheapest, fastest way to inspiration. 3. Bad math. When we compare ourselves, we are using false models. We see the facade of someone else, and we compare it to the inner workings of ourselves. The equation doesn't hold up. You don't know the whole story. 4. Ideas. Don't have them. They shut out the present moment. Inspiration comes when you're open, generous, slutty even. Be a slut with your growth mindset. Go to bed with any and all ways of doing things. You don't have to agree with everyone at Thanksgiving for you to travel across the country to see them. 5. Blame yourself. The things that are our fault are the things we can control. If you played a role in your victimhood, 
and it always takes two to tango, then you have agency. We have, a, we have little control over most things in life. When bad things happen, ask yourself, what part of that was my doing? Six, Frank O'Hara. And I am out on a limb, and it is the hand of God. Out on a limb means being in the unknown. You're in a spot just off course from the trail you're familiar with. This is where the art happens. It's uncomfortable, awkward. Your face goes red when you're there. You don't quite know what to do. That's where you want to be. That's where it all happens. It's stressful, but it's the good kind of stress. And then it ends. And then you breathe a sigh of relief and you look around and your people are there too. The clowns, the misfits, and the fools. Those are the people you want to emulate. The ones that are making art for others. 7. The life you live is yours to give. The things that happened to you really did happen. This is your grist for the mill. If it happened, you're allowed to talk about it. If it's useful to you, then use it. What else is it there for? No more secrets. Secrets are bad. They fester. They protect Catholic pedos and corporate greed. Fuck secrets. They're for crooks. Shout out to Dougie Ford. 8. Purpose. The only thing that will fill the void is the art you make. That feeling of fulfillment is, is all. It's not cash or publication or views or likes. You know this already because you've been there. If you're creating something, you're doing the very thing that you are compelled to do. That's peace right there. For what more could anyone ask of you? Nothing. You're fulfilling your requirements. You've read all the way to the end of the instructions before assembling. 9. Friends. Your friends will save you. Do whatever it takes to find your people and then regularly buy them dinner. Do it over and over. Seriously, don't be stingy. I was stingy once until I realized breaking bread with friends is the antidote to pretty much everything. 10. Stomachs. You're allowed to have a stomach. These days, stomachs have been banished. Big butts are okay for now. But now we must all have ab muscles. This is incorrect. Your voice comes from your bellows, a.k.a. your belly. My singing teacher Elizabeth taught me this. So don't strangle your voice. Bellows require air. Not a lot, just enough. It's okay to look the way you do. Keep those bellows loose. Being fixated on a flat stomach strangles your voice, and more importantly, it makes you talk about how often you go to the gym, and that is the worst conversation topic around. 11. Intimacy Issues Laughter is intimacy. When we laugh, we literally show others inside of ourselves, inside of our bodies. When we make others laugh, we can see inside of them. This is nothing short of incredible. This is intimacy. Laughter is to commune between hearts. It is the very best thing you can do with people. 
You don't have intimacy issues if you can drag yourself to a comedy club with another person. You're fine. You're out in the world. You're seeing other live people doing things. You're not looking at your phone. You're, you're in there gathering information. You can smell other people. You can see them. That You can hear them. They're affecting you and you're affecting them. You're fine. You just need to take more of that medicine and then get your prescription filled regularly. 12. Stop drinking so much water. You're not dehydrated. If you were, you'd be in the fucking hospital. So just relax and quit weaponizing everything. Think for yourself, for God's sake. Drink water when you're thirsty, how about? The human thirst mechanism is alive and well. Call bullshit on Nestle and yourself. You can get water from coffee or an apple or broccoli. And there's absolutely no scientific evidence that caffeine is a diuretic. Quit giving your kids water bottles as big as their heads. They have brains. They'll get water when they need it. Just shut up for a while. 13. Don't be so surprised everything is terrible. When faced with adversity, know that that is the natural state of the world. It's cold comfort. So, take warm action. That's the required response. An action that will warm your soul, feed your creativity, and generate community. Find your people. Create together. Remember why we got into this in the first place. It doesn't have to add to your workload or your list of obligations. It's not meant to get you into your head. It can be writing in your journal, or painting, or singing in a choir, or whatever. Start small. The key is art should be about others, not just about you. Art that resonates leaves room for an audience. 14. You have to give it for it to be art. The way you find an audience is by making art that means something that says something. If you want to be heard, you have to make a statement. Don't worry about the hustle yet. You have to have something to hustle before you start hustling. We try, 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 and then we die. That's the entire trip. When somebody asks you what your plan is, you say, well, I'm going to try something and see if it works. And if it doesn't, I'm going to try something else. And if that isn't quite what I want, then I'm going to pivot a little and try something else. I'm going to keep trying, and in this trying, I'm going to find my people, my like-minded weirdos, and we're going to make stuff together, and laugh together, and fall in love, and fall out of love, and we'll vacation together, and we'll be there for each other, all the while making art together. And then when we're old and gray, we're going to walk each other home. And that's it. For I am compelled to perform. It's not complicated. And when we admit we must make art, then we admit something truly empowering. We cannot fail. You can't fail if you're making art. You just can't. It's yours. But you make it for others. That's it. It's a gift. You are gifted, so give it.
That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and thanks for sharing it with all of your people, even the oldsters that don't understand what a podcast is. I keep telling my dad, Dad, podcasting is your favorite thing, radio on demand. We're, we're regressing. Podcasting is its almost an old technology. You should get behind this. You just need a device. I know it doesn't come on that big, huge black box of a radio you have in the cupboards in the kitchen by your seat at the kitchen, but if you could just work that old iPhone 3 of yours to get the podcast app going, then you could listen to radio till you're blue in the face. I do all the time. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this podcast. If you like it, if you didn't, just keep it to yourself. No one likes a whiner. For more information, go to boldacting.com and uh, send me an email at jasonbryden at gmail.com and come and audit one of my classes if you're in Toronto. There are no online classes yet, okay? And never have I mentioned that there's any online. I get emails all the time going, so is this online? No, it's all in person. How did online become the default? Haven't we had a pandemic? We're not in the pandemic anymore. In other words, I got to learn how to do online classes. Anyway, love you. Till next time. Ciao.